0: Bruce Bochy has, has won another ring this time, for the first time, not with the San Francisco Giants. What are the lessons that the Giants and their fans can take away from Bochi going to the Rangers and in his first year there winning a World Series title? And it's not all about the manager. You are locked on Giants. Your daily San Francisco Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Caspic, and on the show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites, Beyond the Box Score, and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thanks for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day, or your last listen, or your every other day listen, for those of you who have been following my uh dramatic chaotic move that has taken up so much of my time and we're recording here at nine o'clock at night but um yeah thanks for making us your first or your last whatever listen every single day and uh coming up on today's show we are going to get into the fact that the texas rangers just won the world series uh just now and that's i actually could have recorded a little bit earlier tonight but i put it off uh because I wanted to see how this thing ended up. And it was one to nothing going into the ninth with the Rangers having a lead. And so it wasn't clear that they were going to win. But then they put up a four spot as they are known to do. That's like one of the hallmarks of this Texas Rangers team is the big inning. And what does that have to do with the manager? Not very much at all. I mean, to be honest. And so I'm not trying to take anything away from Bochy. And in fact, the first topic I want to get into is what how should a Giants fan feel about watching how do I feel not how should a Giants fan feel about watching Bruce Bochy leave the Giants the Giants having the struggles that they've had over the last however many years since he left five years or four actually since he left and what does that mean he goes to Texas and he wins a World Series in year number one in Texas and uh, for me, it just like congratulations to him and congratulations to the Texas Rangers because I was you know, explaining to my girlfriend who doesn't really care much about baseball, just the the torture that that franchise had been through. and it it reminds me a lot of um the Giants, you know, they had waited a similar amount of time uh, to win their first World Series, just like the San Francisco Giants had not won a World Series since moving here. And Bruce Bochy led them to that first title in 2010, Uh, and it was against the Rangers. I mean, like, kind of ironically, right? And it was 4-1 to the series, just like this series ended up being. They won on the road, just like this Rangers team ended up winning on the road. So congratulations to the Rangers and their fans, and to, to Bruce Bochy just personally on I mean, his, his legacy was already cemented, right? With the Giants run of 10, 12 and 14. Uh, you know, they showed a graphic during the game. The Giants have won or not the Giants. Bruce Bochi has won like, and that was before tonight, 15 out of his last 16 postseason series, something like that. It's just ridiculous. And I also pointed out to my girlfriend who we were kind of newly dating at the time. We were at that game in 2016 when the cubs had that comeback in the ninth that the the one series loss that bruce Bochi has had i mean think about it 10 12 14 16 and now 23 with the rangers there is literally just one series that Bochi has lost and that is just incredible and so um it's like no matter what i say that that as we shift the conversation like in baseball i don't think a manager just simply like makes a team a World Series championship team, but it is just undeniable the legacy and the results. The results for Bruce Bochi, I mean, he's got four titles that, whatever it is, now 16 out of 17 postseason series. A lot of which were, you know, there were two wild card games, like single elimination wild card games. Think of all the wild card games in 2012 was it, right, uh, 2012, yes, when they had to come back against the Reds, down 2 nothing in a best-of-five, all three games on the road to have to win that series, and they won them all, and then down three games to one against the Cardinals, just like the Diamondbacks were down in this series three games to one, and they came back and won that as well, and then they sweep the World Series. Um, So, is that I mean, I would imagine that's one of the best runs of all time if not the best like i can't imagine there's many or anybody else who tops that so in terms of like lessons learned for the san francisco giants i'm not sure in terms of bochi that there is a huge lesson except perhaps i mean especially now that kapler was fired um to me I think that if Kepler was still here, this would be a little bit of a different conversation where I'd be saying, I think there is value to like having a manager who's more on the pulse of the team and more like a player's manager and less like a more like formulaic and robotic type of personality and manager. And, and there's just something about Bochy. They show all the shots of him uh, in the dugout during these critical games. And he's just... You know, he's consistent. He just looks calm. He's been there. He's done that. And there's something about that consistent calming presence, I think that relaxes players and, and they know that he trusts them and communication and all that kind of stuff is important. It's important. And I think it plays a role in the Texas Rangers winning the world series. And I think it played a role in the Giants winning all those world series. Now I don't think that the narrative about like Farhan Zaidi came in and pushed him out there's no merit to that that's not like by all accounts how it actually went down uh and Bochi really did want to kind of step away um and i've said like he kind of cemented his legacy here and also let's not forget that after 2014 it's not like they had a very good run you know 15 16 they did make the playoffs in 16, but they did lose that. And there was questionable bullpen management in that 2016 uh division series against the Cubs. I can tell you firsthand as I was there to witness it in game four. Uh, And then 17, they lost 98 games. 18, they lost 90-something games. And 19, when Zaidi was there, the one year when they kind of crossed over, that was an improved year. And, you know, I think it was a credit probably more to Farhan Zaidi than like Bochi changed them around into a better team. It's not like they were a great team, but they did discover some new players like Mike Yastrzemski and Donovan Solano and guys like that. Uh, and so I don't know. I just think it's to dwell in the past is not healthy at all. And I do think that the fact that Bob Melvin is now the manager of the San Francisco Giants can – if you have any angst about like the the fact that Bochi left and the fact that he's now managing again and the fact that he just won another World Series, which is just incredible, um, I think that if Kapler was still around, I understand the angst a lot. But if you know now that it's Melvin, I think that Melvin is far more similar to Bruce Bochy than Kapler. Kapler, I said it at the time he was hired; he was like the polar opposite of Bruce Bochy, personality-wise. And in a lot of ways, in the way he managed the game-wise. And ultimately, I mean, I I always kind of... I He was the surprising choice to me, Kapler, as the choice to replace Bruce Bochy. And um, popularity-wise, I think it was kind of always an uphill battle. But with Bob Melvin, I just don't think you're going to face that. And so... I think the way I feel, and I'm not—I don't want to say the way Giants fans should feel, because you can feel however you want. But the way I feel is just—I've moved on, and I have nothing but the utmost respect and admiration for Bruce Bochy, and it's just an incredible achievement to win his fourth World Series, and I'm kind of honored that the Giants, my team, was an enormous part, the majority of his legacy was here and what he did here. And so uh, I hold, a, I will forever in my life, hold a special place in my heart uh, for Bruce Bochy. And to see him have success, I've got no problem with it. Unless they were playing the giants. I, you know, I'm happy to see him win, but this is where we say, but um, it's not all on the manager. I think there are other factors going on with the Rangers. And this is where the lessons can really be learned for the San Francisco Giants. We will get into what those lessons, uh, are for the Giants in just a minute. And before we do today's episode is brought to you by our good, good friends over at FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, which is America's number one sports book. And for a good reason, right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins, which the Niners, you know, a little bit streaky here to start their season. Five straight wins, three straight losses. Hey, are they due for a win? I would think so. I actually don't even know who they're playing next. But you place a $5 bet on the Niners to win, and you get 150 in bonus bets back. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, here we go. We're going to get into the lessons because... for me, like the lesson doesn't really have much to do with Bochi, except it does. It does in the sense of, you know, if Kapler was still here, I think there's a lesson like, hey, Cap, the Kapler style manager is just maybe not for this organization. And I think they learned that lesson already. And so I'm not going to dwell on it too much. And and good for them for maybe learning that lesson and acting on it. I mean, it took Farhan Zaidi and Gabe Kapler are close friends and from what we hear from the press release it was zaidi's recommendation to fire kapler and so uh nonetheless he is the one who hired him and i think that was a mistake like looking back on it all due respect to kapler like i've got nothing personal against the guy the 107 win season and all that but uh, i think a guy like bob melvin is just ultimately now that i think about it just a better fit someone who can kind of toe the line between both extremes and Kapler was the extreme polar opposite of Melvin. Anyway, thanks again, or of Bochy. Thanks again for making Lockdown Giants your first or your last listen every day. Every dayers tomorrow on the show, uh, I've got a bunch more mailbag questions and hopefully we get some coaching staff news. Uh, We do have like little Bits and pieces coming out about what the coaching staff might look like. And so look out tomorrow, uh, for more on, on Bob Melvin's coaching staff in addition to any other news. Now that the World Series is over, stuff starts to cook up, uh, with, you know, decisions have to be made within five days from now in terms of, uh, player options and team options and all that kind of stuff. And so it's, it's the off season and stuff starts happening. Free agency opens in five days. So. This show is going to be jam packed and I will get to the shows, even if they're late at night. And again, I apologize for that. For those of you who don't know, if you're looking at my background on YouTube, I just moved and I haven't set it up yet. It's a work in progress, but the lessons learned are not just about the manager. And I, this was a big part of the conversation for me when the Giants were looking for a manager. I talked a lot about Donnie Ecker, the, the Rangers bench coach and offensive coordinator and he was with the giants in 2020 and 2021 when they had this dramatic turnaround offensively and like i've i've said this a million times but in 2020 it was a covid 60 game season and there was a lot of talk after the year like it was maybe just because it was a short season and a small sample then that we couldn't really read into the fact that they were much improved offensively for me I didn't really feel that way because I could see it like you looked at Brandon Crawford for example and he had completely overhauled his mechanics and just a lot of guys you could tell like more of that you know, quote-unquote launch angle revolution, guys just hitting the ball hard in the air, leading to more homers and extra base hits and all that. And we saw that in 2020. They were a pretty good offensive team after being a pretty bad offensive team in 2019 and certainly in 18 and 17. Uh, and that was with a whole new coaching staff that Gabe Kapler had hired. In 2021 though, they proved everybody who doubted them in 2020 wrong, at least temporarily, because then in 2022 and 2023 it proved everyone who thought they were great in tw- because of 2021, they proved them wrong. Who the this Giants team has been a roller coaster the last several years. But, you know, Donnie Ecker was still here in 2021 and they ca- they continued to be monsters offensively. I mean, Brandon Crawford Literally, Brandon Crawford finished fourth in MVP voting, monster offensive season, Buster Posey, monster offensive season. People forget. I mean, Posey was like looking like in serious decline and was even, you know, arguably below average offensively in uh, 2019, the last full season that he because he, he, he opted out of 2020 and then he came back with a vengeance in 2021 and. Brandon Belt had a monster year. Guys like Darren Ruff just had like a monster year. And, you know, Donovan Solano, just the the big dogs and then just everybody in between. And it's kind of like the Texas Rangers. And then Donnie Ecker goes over there and basically the same thing. Last year they were improved. Uh, if you look at what they did offensively last year, it was a big kind of jump. And yes, they signed Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. But then if you look at what they did this year, they were the, like one of the best offensive teams in the game. And are they, you know, you look at like the Padres and all the star talent and Manny Machado and Juan Soto and Fernando Tatis and blah, 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 blah. That's not really the Rangers. They've got these two stars in Simeon and Seager. But then it's just like a supporting cast of guys who just contribute and kind of, I don't want to say outperform expectations or whatever, but they set new expectations with their high level of performance. And that's what we saw with the Giants in Eckers two years here. And that's what we've seen with the Rangers in Eckers two years there. And if you look at the way the Rangers won a lot of these games, yes, they threw a shutout tonight, but look at yesterday's game, they scored 11 runs, they had like four times where they had five plus run innings, they had like 11 times with three plus run innings during the playoffs this postseason, they are the kings of the big inning, and uh, that has very little to do with the manager. So I'm, I'm just, I'm not, again, not trying to take anything away from Bochi, but I think a lot of the Rangers success perhaps has to do with what Donnie Ecker has implemented there as offensive coordinator, which means he's in charge of the offense from top to bottom, not just at the major league level, but throughout the organization. And so I felt at the time, When he left, and I still feel today, they never should have let the guy go. I don't understand. I want to know what kind of efforts did they make to retain Donnie Ecker? Because, um, you know, and this is a growing narrative around here. And for good reason, I would say, uh, because uh, the Giants, they stopped hitting after he left. 2022 uh, fell back to earth and 2023, they were even worse offensively. And so... The lessons learned are like a. I think that a, like losing Donnie Ecker was a big deal, and finding you know the, finding the best group of hitting coaches or the individual hitting coach that can actually do what maybe ecker was able to do with the giants and is now doing with the rangers i think that's a high high priority this offseason i just don't think you run it back with the same offensive coaching staff and the probably more important lesson is that the rangers spent money to improve their team and they signed a couple of star players they signed Corey seager and marcus simeon within a span of 24 hours right before the lockout uh, in at the end of 2021 and you know I keep saying that there were so many elite shortstops in the last two off seasons and Corey Seager was one of them and Marcus Simeon what it was kind of one of them too he was he's from San Francisco so like the Giants could have made these same types of offers I don't know that maybe they still prefer Texas the income tax is certainly lower and so you'd have to maybe even pay more to get them to come here or whatever but it just the the lesson is like adding impact talent and seeing how that plays out in the postseason at times uh not always but like having Corey Seeger in your lineup helps you win games in the regular season helps you get to the playoffs and certainly it's a guy you want up in the big moments in the postseason. And so Giants, they're, they're trying and people really don't like that word trying, uh, to get that big star impact player. They tried to sign Carlos Correa that it was just a freak thing that they didn't. Uh, and he's that kind of guy. I mean, I know he didn't have a great regular season this year, and I know there's obviously medical concerns, but is that kind of guy that shines brightest in the postseason and it uh, is on that kind of Corey Seager level, but Seager did not have a bad season. He's probably, if not, I think he's probably going to finish second in MVP voting behind Shohei Ohtani uh, this season in the American League. But anyway, the lesson is it's good to spend money on impact players and also... Uh, donnie ecker probably had a lot to do with the rangers success maybe as much or even more so than bruce Bochi, in my opinion Uh, although the combination of the two perhaps was just the perfect uh blend which is why it can work i think with melvin and you know farhan zaidi and whoever they need to like rethink their hitting group because the giants offense was a problem in 2023. So anyway, those are the lessons coming up in just a minute, though. I want to get into more details about the rift between new Giants manager Bob Melvin and uh, Padres general manager AJ Preller, uh, because it was always confusing as to why things didn't work out there. How on earth does why do the Padres with a year left on Melvin's contract let him leave for a division rival? And it's like one of the most respected managers in the game. How on earth does that happen? Some more details emerging and we'll get into it in just a minute. And before we do. All right. As promised, we are going to get into more details about the rift between new giants manager, Bob Melvin kind of can't wait for the offseason to kick off here. Uh, obviously, unfortunately the giants not playing a single playoff game, uh, diamondbacks miraculously going to the world series it's kind of the crazy thing with the expanded playoffs like the diamondbacks had 84 wins giants had 79 they literally won just five more games than the than the lowly giants who had such a disappointing season when all was said and done just five wins and they go to the world series so to me once again, a lesson from the postseason is that you just have to get in and then it kind of is a roll of the dice. But then you look across the way and you see Bruce Bochy in the track record and 16 out of 17 postseason series wins. And you're like, OK, well, maybe it's not just a roll of the dice. So we never know. We only get to kind of see it play out once a year. And it once again played out with Bochi carrying a trophy over his head. So there you have it. Um, but anyway, thanks again for making long giants. Your first listen every day, every dayers or every nighters. If some, as some of you have joked tomorrow, we're going to be getting more into like off season mode. I want to get into the coaching staff and what I expect, who's going to be back from last year's staff and who are some of the new names who are very likely to join the Giants staff in 2024 under Bob Melvin. But I want to get into this, uh, the, these details about what was going on in san diego because it was kind of a mystery to me and i think a lot of people um i think that some reporters like ken rosenthal like they have sources telling them what was going on but there's not a lot of details it's just like there was a problem with the relationship between bob melvin and aj preller and i did a crossover episode got a lot of views with Javier Reyes from Lockdown Padres where we tried to figure it out like what the heck is going on why are the Padres letting this it's like it's almost like Bob Melvin does not have a World Series ring he doesn't have the same postseason track record as Bochi, but he's kind of almost on that same level in terms of just universal respect and like nobody has a mean thing to say about him and so for the Padres to to for the Padres general manager to not be able to get along with him kind of made no sense. And we tried to figure out what the heck was wrong. But John Shea of the San Francisco Chronicle, thankfully did some digging and he got some information. And so here's going to be a quote from John Shea about uh, what was going on. And Shea says, quote, according to a source with knowledge of Melvin's time in Oakland and San Diego, uh the rift with Preller had a lot to do with the GMs meddling in uh or excuse me with the preparation process leading up to games operating with a mostly set lineup Melvin didn't need to make many moves in game and Preller largely backed off over in game decision making but questions about prep work led to the divide end quote and then he actually continues and says in oakland it was the other way around the front office had a heavier hand with in-game decisions which may be the case in san francisco if you're looking at all the pinch hitting and stuff that's kind of what he you mean like when when they say the padres had a mostly set lineup it's because you're not pinch hitting even even gabe kapler wouldn't pinch hit for manny machado juan soto fernando tatis jr Xander bogarts so it's kind of easy to manage that team from an offensive perspective, but in Oakland they kind of did the same thing that the Giants were doing under Kapler. But we don't know how much of a heavy hand I think Kapler just wanted to to manage that way. And if Melvin wants to manage a different way, I think he'll probably have the autonomy to do so because of the. That's kind of part of the beauty of this hire. I think is that he. He's not just going to be a puppet for the front office. If he thinks something, if he's like, no, Mike Yastrzemski's starting against this lefty because I like the way his swing looked the last few days. I don't care about the matchup. I think he has the authority to make that decision. But anyway, the quote continues uh, about Melvin in Oakland. Quote, the the front office had a heavier hand with in-game decisions, while Melvin and his coaches, many of whom had worked with the young players throughout the system, had more authority with pregame prep work. Bean, Billy Bean, was often the buffer if Melvin and GM David Forst didn't see eye to eye. And then there's one final quote from Billy Bean later on in this article, again by John Shea of The Chronicle, where Billy Bean says, even before this hiring of Bob Melvin, I had a ton of respect for the Giants. It's always been a healthy rivalry. Now I have significant friendships over there and it's ramped up to a different level. And so there's probably going to be two schools of thought reading this. Like, there's going to be those who are unhappy. Like, they're like, we don't want to be the Oakland A's, you know, because you don't. You don't want to be the Oakland A's. But the Giants are not the Oakland A's. The A's consistently run payrolls of close to $50 million, whereas the Giants this year were at, like, $195 million. So, as much as people say the Giants, like, are the Oakland A's, it's not true, and it's hyperbole, and it's an exaggeration, and, but, like, some of the way, the in-game stuff was similar, and I still think you'll see platooning and all that, but... I do believe. I just think Melvin is going to kind of steer the ship in a in a, enough of a different direction that it's going to make a difference. And they also just need to add talent from the outside, but uh, you know, like through free agency or trades or whatever it is. Um, and free agency kicks off in five days, so that's very exciting. Uh, and and again, we've got these opt outs are huge, and so we're going to be previewing those decisions what it means if Michael Conforto opts in, what it means if he opts out. Same with Sean Mania. We do know Ross Stripling has already made it clear he's opting in. And so those decisions are coming in the next handful of days, like over the weekend, five days from now. I can't count. I can't even think straight at all with this nightmarish move that I've been going through. But one, two, three, four, five. It looks like by Monday, uh, we're going to we're going to get all those decisions and and free agency is going to open. And so anyway, I just think this speaks way more to A.J. Preller, who in this article in the Chronicle by John Shea, he mentioned counting interim managers that. Uh, either with the next hire or just counting Melvin as the most recent manager, A.J. Preller has managed or will have now managed eight different managers in 11 seasons counting interim managers and so uh something's going on there like maybe it's not the managers (laughs) who are the problem if you need to like literally change managers almost every single year there's something crazy going on there with AJ Preller and um his meddling you know with the teams and the fact that it you know, a guy like Melvin just like wanted to leave that city, that weather, that team, all the star talent on that team. And he's like, no, I prefer the Giants. Um, I said this before, but it tells you a lot about the Padres and it also tells you something about the Giants. And this was something I didn't mention, but Melvin kind of, I believe, indicated in his uh, introductory press conference that, or maybe it was in an interview afterwards, that He wanted Farhan Zaidi extended along with him. Like, he didn't want to take the three-year deal that he took unless Farhan Zaidi also got a three-year deal because of stability, but also because they know each other and they've worked together and they... I think, like again, Melvin wouldn't leave that situation in San Diego and come here unless he thought it was going to be a good situation for him. And I think he thinks that because I think it's true. And so I'm optimistic. I'm often optimistic, so (laughs) take it for what it's worth. But I don't know. I think the Giants did, in fact, get this right with the hiring of Bob Melvin. And now the next step is to proceed into the offseason, which – technically like begins right now as that we do have a new world series champion again congratulations to Bochi, bruce Bochi on his fourth ring and to the texas rangers on their first world series championship in franchise history we know how that feels 2010 uh was what the rangers fans are feeling tonight and so congratulations to them and that is all the time we have for today Thanks again for making Lockdown Giants your first or your last listen every day, every dayers or every nighters or whatever <laughs> coming up tomorrow. More about the coaching staff. You guys have a lot of questions about who's going to be on Bob Melvin's coaching staff. I have questions too, but we do have some answers, kind of rumors and reports trickling through. So more about that and just kind of getting you prepared for what's to come maybe laying out a timeline for how this offseason is going to play out as it gets underway now that the world series is over so anyway once again my name is ben kaspik check me out on twitter at ben kaspik k-a-s-p-i-c-k if you like this show please consider rating it or leaving a review it helps me out a lot so thank you in advance and thanks so much to everyone who has done so already i can't wait to be with you again at some point tomorrow uh at some point hopefully earlier than 9 30 but uh anyway until then we'll see you next time you are now locked on giants